In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. It's me. I've, I've, I've been left alone by uh, Paul and Ian, so um, we're going to go a little bit rogue this week. There'll be some takes that uh, they'll both kill me for saying, but since they're not here, let's get away with murder. And um, so I brought on good friend Sam Penix to join us. So Sam, um, introduce yourself. Where can people find you right at the top of the show? You should be following Sam. So if you're not following Sam, when you introduce yourself, pause, pause the podcast, jump over to it, hit follow and then come back. You can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Penix. Uh, you can find my stuff at Cavs Nation, Clutch Points NFL with the first pick and at Dog Pound Daily, which is where I'm, I'm doing most most of my stuff right now with the draft coming up here, getting into the good stuff finally in the off season. So looking forward to that. Yeah, so it's almost the perfect time to have you on because you wrote a piece, I, I want to say four or five days ago about OBJ, just sort of. Um, the role he has, which we're going to touch more on um, as we discuss sort of wide receiver one and who is wide receiver one going into next year. Um, but no, there's, there's some great pieces, really informative stuff, good blend of sort of data and as well as the team. So uh, you'll learn a lot. That's one of the best things um, about following Sam's content. Well, I wouldn't say learn. I mean, I, I'm the one learning from other people. I mean, I I don't consider myself anywhere near an expert on anything. So I'm, I'm just here along for the ride with everybody else. You know, I'm just, just here to have fun and, and follow the game that I love. Oh, well, I learn reading it. So how nearly all my articles end up getting written, written. I sit there and ask myself a question of, Hey, what about a B or C? And then I sit there, I spend five hours doing some research on something that isn't going to change the world, but I'm like, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to write about that. And, and they're the best articles for me because if you're learning while you're writing, there's actually more going into that than someone going, hey, I know everything. I'm going to try to put it onto a piece of paper. Absolutely. So this week is the wide receiver room. So if, if you're coming to us and this is the first show of the deep dive you've got, pause it, jump back to number one where we've done quarterbacks to start of the week. We've done the uh, running back and fullback room, and now we're on to wide receivers. So with these, really easy format. We look at what the NFL does on average, look at what the Browns do, and then we'll run through its wide receivers, so the six different spots, where they might go to get that person. So we're looking, is it a player that's already on the roster? Is it a player they go out and get in free agency? Or is it draft? So we're not getting into draft names yet, but we're saying, hey, they could go first round or it could be someone, hey, they're sixth, seventh round UDFA. They could go fulfill this spot on the roster. But we're just looking and we're putting all the options on the table, all the different directions they could go. This is by far the most intriguing room in the entire roster because other than Donovan Peoples-Jones, everyone could be gone. Everyone could be back. It's one of them where you don't ever know what could happen. But um, no, it's fascinating. And just from a, a really high level position to begin with, 
the average NFL team takes 5.7 wide receivers on their roster. Just looking at the Browns or where they're at, they only used uh, three wide receiver sets on 42% of snaps last season, which is 29th highest in the league. So there's a chance they could go five, but I'm feeling pretty confident it will be the six. The only sort of way they would go five is if they wanted to carry a third quarterback on the roster. So unless someone wows them and um, they're like, hey, this is the next Tony Romo. We've found an undrafted um, quarterback that is the guy. Um, then I, I think we're pretty confident there's going to be six wide receivers on the 2021 roster. I would agree with that. And I think it's, I think we'll see sort of offense's evolution uh, in 2021 uh, as, as Mayfield evolves and, and grows more comfortable in the system. You know, we, we saw him being allowed to do more things as the season went on. Um, and, you know, by the end, end of things he was he was the one carrying the, the offense as opposed to the offense you know kind of trying to protect him limit his his ability to make mistakes early in the season so as long as he keeps improving I think he's going to get more opportunities to throw the ball to more wide receivers on the field at once and uh, I, I know their 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 uh, 12 personnel usage didn't really change much after OBJ went down I think the the amount of snaps that they used three wide receivers on was about the same within 1% uh, second half of the season. So I think if you have him back healthy and you've added one or two guys with a different skill set this off season, then I think you could see them start to use more, more three and four wide receiver sets because um, when Mayfield is throwing the ball well, he's as good as anyone in the league and you want to take advantage of that. You don't necessarily want to, him to, be dumping the ball off short to the tight ends every play. You want to see him push the ball down the field, uh, which is where his strength is at. He's one of, if not the most accurate downfield passer in the league since he was drafted. So you definitely want to maximize that skill set. And I think the Browns realize that and they're going to make a concerted effort to make the, make the wide receiver uh, room this offseason conform to Mayfield's skill set. No, it was phenomenal down the stretch. We were seeing games where we were just running away and it got silly. Um, we saw it against the Steelers. Obviously, their defense, uh, their offense did help us a lot <laughs> um, in that game. But also, you look at the Titans. Um, games like that where people are like, hey, this is going to be all about the running game. Suddenly, Baker starts airing it out and the game's over by halftime. I know it got a bit close at the end, but you cannot run the score up to that level by just using a run game you start putting the ball in baker's hands and baker was playing like a top three qb um it, it it's gonna get embarrassing for other teams and, and that's gonna be nice for browns fans they're gonna be sat there going for their drink at halftime next year in first energy stadium going oh we've got this one sewn up and uh that that's not a feeling browns fans are used to they're used to the result being set at halftime but that's because it's already been lost um yeah. instead it's going to be already in the bag and uh it's going to be fun. You're going to have to decide what, what are you are doing in second half? You'll probably have to find some props to bet on because the game's already over. Yeah. I mean, even this year, you know, early in the season when they were getting out to these big leads, surprisingly against some of these teams, there was always that sinking feeling at the back of your mind. Like, Oh boy, I've seen this before. I know how this, this story ends. We're going to blow it. And I know you know, they allowed teams like the Cowboys and the Titans and the Steelers to get back into the game, but those games were over by halftime, right? There, 
against the Titans, I know they, they ended up it ended up being five point game, I think, but they were up by 20 with under 90 seconds to go. So that was not a one possession game. That game was never close. And I I know you'll you'll talk about this uh, when you get to the defensive side of the ball, but the allowance of those teams to kind of score their way back in the game while the Browns are more or less taking their foot off the gas. That was by design because when they were playing that off coverage, that, that prevent defense, that was intentional because they knew that they didn't have the talent to stop those teams from scoring. You know, Pittsburgh, they still have a lot of playmakers on the, on the offense. The Cowboys had Dak Prescott and a bunch of really good receivers and the Titans have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. Right. So those teams can put up points against anyone. And when you're playing guys like Robert Jackson and MJ Stewart, starter level snaps, you're going to get scored on. So the goal was always to just have them, you know, score, but have them take 10, 12 plays a drive to do it instead of three, four. And that worked for the most part. So I think next year you're going to see a difference in the, in the defensive scheme, but you're also going to see the team hopefully get out to those big leads more often because they're running the ball only in the second half, you know, primarily because they have the wide receivers to be able to throw the ball and score a bunch of points early in the game. Yeah, no, so it's going to be exciting watching this Browns offense next year as they evolve. Um, We're going to see more points and there was a lot of points this season, but we want even more. Um, The league's going more points. The more points you score, the uh, more games you generally tend to win. So um, the role of the Browns two starting wide receivers, and it's two starting wide receivers, not three, because as we touched on earlier, if you're only playing um, three wide receivers 42% of the time, that third role is more of a rotational role. You might split it between sort of your third and fourth wide receiver, depending on what you want them to do. Um, but where we look at it, you've got two starting wide receivers. They're going to play 90% of snaps. And their roles are, it's deep and it's deep middle. You've right. got a wide receiver that does a bit of short middle, plays about 33%. You've got a rotational guy that's deep or deep middle, but deeper down the field that play, hey, another 33%. And then, yeah, you you got a depth guy deeper again, but he's only going to play about 10%. Use probably more of a bit of a gadget player. Um, and then a sixth wide receiver they're just special teams unless you get an injury they ain't ever playing um there and we just need to sort of look back to just because someone's in the slot they don't have to be a slow plodder um Tyreek Hill had lots of um snaps in the slot um against the Browns in their uh playoff game they had a really intriguing route that had done wonders for their offense several times this season where he basically just ran diagonally um, right. and, that, yep. and that just carved them straight up in the middle. No one knows what you do against Tyreek Hill in the slot. So just because someone's a really, really quick dude or a really slow dude, that doesn't mean they necessarily have to be on the outside, the inside. Um, the more speed, the better it is. But effectively, without getting into any names, and we'll touch on the names in a minute, the Browns offense struggled this year because there wasn't enough speed. You've got a receiving back. You've got two tight ends. They're all operating in the short the two tight ends might operate in the short to medium, um, depending on how much they drive their route downfield. But that's three of your five skill players tied into short routes. And that means you've got to be getting depth out of the two wide receivers. Obviously, not every snap. 
you can mix it up on different stuff, but predominantly they have to be able to do that because if they don't do that, we get a squeezed field. And we, we saw it quite a lot, especially in the KC game where they just went, hey, we don't even need to protect the deep root. It, everything's coming in front of us. We'll squeeze it up. And so many times where Baker, the ball hadn't even left his hand and they were all covered, the wide receivers. Everyone knew what was happening. And you're having to rely on him making a 99% sort of quality throw just to get a standard completion whereas Patrick Mahomes everyone was open because we're having to defend an extra 40 yards of the field so um, just from sort of a um, theoretical position the Browns just can't continue with a uh, congested field it's all about separation I 100% agree I mean like you said the, the Chiefs just ran cover one press man all game long and forced Mayfield to make pinpoint extremely high level of difficulty throws because the receivers couldn't create separation in man and the Chiefs were not scared of getting beat deep one bit. And that allowed them to play eight guys in the box and stop the running game for the majority of of the game. So it doesn't just mean that you're your quarterback play suffers because Mayfield isn't able to throw the ball down the field. It means your entire offense suffers because defenses are able to key in on the running game because they're not scared of getting beaten over the top in the passing game. So it's even if you're not throwing the ball to these guys on every play, just their presence on the field, just the mere threat of them running by you, that's more than enough to invest in that position and to have them playing a majority of the snaps because of what it does in a, in a subconscious way to the defense, to their, to their scheme. And it's a big problem for the Browns right now because the way that their receiver room is situated, they all have redundant skill sets, not just with the other receivers, but with the tight ends. They all operate in the same area of the field. They all are zone beaters for the most part. And that's just not the kind of, of skill sets that the Browns need on offense right now for them to be successful in this scheme. So I think there's going to be some significant changes coming this off season. I think there need to be for this team to really take the next step and be a significant, a legitimate contender because the way that their offense is set up right now, they just can't score enough points. They have the quarterback to do it. They have the offensive line to do it and they have the coaching staff to do it, but they need to get the skill players to do that. And right now they don't have them. Yeah. So really good points there. And now, we're going to get on some names. So we're going to start with your wide receiver one. Um, predominantly, we can say it's the deeper guy. Most of these guys that we'll mention is the deeper guy, but it's very much your your most talented wide receiver. Who is that guy? And for me, we'll start with roster, then we'll do free agency, then we'll do draft with these rooms. You've only got one realistic name under contract to be wide receiver one next year for the Browns, and that's OBJ. Um, I'll let you run on this first because it was a really interesting article you did looking at those sort of first six games. Um, you went right back to basics and counting those snaps in the Ravens game, but uh, it was some really interesting content there. Yeah. So I, I went back and watched every single snap that Beckham played this year over his six games. And basically what I saw was a guy who was getting open at the same rate. He had always been getting open in New York when he was considered one of the best players in the league. And he wasn't getting thrown the ball because Mayfield was, I mean, the player that Mayfield was in those six games versus the player that he was 
in the playoffs against Kansas City and Pittsburgh, completely different. Like you, it's not even recognizable. Totally opposite ends of the spectrum there. So the Browns have a different quarterback now. And May, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, Beckham has never played with the real Mayfield. He played with Mayfield under, under Freddie Kitchens, who, I mean, it's obvious now looking back that the coaching in 2019 was responsible for what Mayfield's level of play was, which was not good. And it took a while for him to, to shake off that rust, to, to purge himself of that poor coaching, and to be able to take on the, the quality coaching that he was receiving this year. So it took him those first six games. And even after that, that injury that happened to Beckham, I know the rest of that game, Mayfield was fantastic. But it wasn't just like the light, the light bulb went immediately on and he went from being one of the worst quarterbacks in the league to one of the best. It, it there was a, you know, a, it was a process. It wasn't, oh, Beckham got hurt and now Mayfield's elite. I think it took until that that Titans game for him to really take that that next step to being elite. Before that, he was just pretty good, but he was still missing quite a few throws that he should make. And uh, and then he all of a sudden, you know, in that Titans game, he started making those throws, and from then on, he was just amazing. So during those first six games, Beckham was, was getting open constantly. Uh, he was getting open down the field. He was getting open against man coverage, things that no one else on the, on the roster can do. And Mayfield just, he wasn't, he wasn't looking for him. He was all, his eyes were always somewhere else on the field. And that's how it all, it was throughout 2019 as well. And, I know the, the prevailing theory is that, well, they just didn't have this chemistry, right? That's what we hear, chemistry. Receiver X has great chemistry with, with Mayfield, and that's why he's the best receiver on the roster. But I don't, I don't see how people can, can really blame Beckham for his lack of production because all he can do is get open, right? That's, that's, number one, that's job number one for a receiver. You can't catch the ball unless you're open. He got open, and Mayfield didn't throw the ball to him because he never looked his way. So I blame Mayfield's play for, for the, the drop in production from Beckham over the past 22 games. And I think once you see Beckham with a, a full offseason in this, in this scheme, in a, a full offseason with this Mayfield, this, this quality quarterback, I think you're going to see things start to take off for him because – we all know the player that he can be. We all know the player that he has been, and he's still that guy. So assuming he comes back from this ACL, you know, relatively full strength, I know it's, it's not going to be perfect, but like the ACL tear is not the death sentence that it used to be, right? Guys like Jordy Nelson and Keenan Allen came back even stronger from that injury than they were before. So it's not unreasonable to think that he's going to be 85, 90% of, of what he was before. So I'm I'm expecting big things from him in 2021, and I think he's he's not he's not the only thing that they they have to add to that receiving group. But I think just having him on the field is going to open up so many things for that offense, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I'm 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 quite optimistic. Um, I, I the OBJ question of like, was it just luck that the two things changed at the same time, or was it anything else? Um, is one of them things that unless you're in the room, unless you're Kevin Stefanski, you never truly know the answer um, because you can't get inside Baker's head and sort of see 
what Baker was seeing and asking him all them questions. And I treat it very much like I do the GM search, the head coaching search. It's impossible for us to know on the outside whether this guy's going to be a good head coach or that guy's going to be a good head coach because you can't ask the questions that you need to get to the bottom of that question. Um, and we saw it two, two years ago. It was the John Dorsey-led head coaching search from the start. I said, I'm not a fan um, because it comes down to do trust the decision makers. And then what we had a year ago, I wanted Kevin Stefanski to be the guy, but I trusted Andrew Berry. I trusted Paul De Podesta, whoever they came with. And even if it was Josh McDaniels, I was on board with that because it was like the process is right. I trust the final decision. And I'm very much on board now with you've got, it's not De Podesta's not really going to make a call on sort of players. He's the bigger picture guy. So it's down to Andrew Berry. It's down to Kevin Stefanski. If they're going, hey, we want to bring OBJ back, then go for it. I'm all I'm all on board for that. At the same time, if they go, hey, he, 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 there was issues behind the scene. Let's trade him for a third round pick. Um, I get it. Obviously, you, you get this weird in between. I don't think anyone's going to offer a first, but if someone offered a first, they might go, actually, we do want him back, but it's a first round pick. Let's take it. Um, that's one of them weird ones where he might be, actually, he was all right, but we're going to take the pick. Um, but I, I trust them guys to make the right decision. I think the best option you have going forward is give him that extra year. And then suddenly you, you're in a nice place because if he's not great, you can cut him for nothing. You can trade him. You, you're not obliged to do anything. Um, obviously, all of his dead cap, that's sitting in uh, Dave Gettleman's office um, because that's a Giants problem and nothing to do with the Browns. Um, if we then look to free agency. So for me, in terms of your wide receiver one, there's three free agents who are out there um, who can fit that sort of style. There's some more free agents that I like that we'll touch on potentially wide receiver twos. But for me, you've got Alan Robinson, you've got Kenny Golladay, you've got Chris Godwin. Um, Alan Robinson isn't as much a deep threat out of the three, but he's just so good that I would love to see him playing him for the Browns. But at the same time, I get it. He, he's, he's not the answer. Um, if you're looking for that, we, we want a burner that's going to really force the defense back. Um, but he's so good. He is. He is so good. And I think, I think based on the receivers that Mayfield has had success with during his career, I think he's the perfect type of guy who you could see him having just a ton of success with, with Mayfield because he can make any contested catch, you know, in his sleep, he, he gets open, even though he's not the most speedy or, you know, quick, quickest guy, but I don't know. It's like, you can't really describe a whole lot of, of uh, great traits that he has, but he just, he's good. And I, what I, we make 14 million last year. So, I mean, that's, that's not something I'd be willing to pay him, but if you could get him for cheaper, you know, a reasonable amount. All, all three are 20 million. If any of those three guys you go for, it's 20 million um, a year. I think in terms of best fit for Baker, it's probably Golladay um, in terms of a burner that, that we want to fill that role. But I, I, I think they only go that route if they want instant production alongside uh, OBJ trade. I think they'd be more inclined to keep OBJ just, the mindset of the front office. 
Yeah, I think if if you would be spending that much money on a free agent, you would have to get rid of one or, well, ideally probably both of the big uh, receiver contracts in that room because you can't afford to add 20 million extra to the room that's already what the third highest highest paid room in the, in the league and you know for what like you're not you're not getting the kind of production that you need out of that that investment so it's um i don't i don't see them making a, a huge free agent splash but i think there, there are definitely cheaper guys um that, that you could definitely see making an impact yeah and if they could go the route of um let's bring in some sort of free agents to fill some deeper roles and actually go out there and really spend big and go for a first rounder a wide receiver um i think it's the only position on offense they could legitimately take in the first round um but yeah we've seen so many guys hit the floor so chris godwin terry mclaurin aj brown brendan Ayuk, justin jefferson have all come out and had a really really good year one obviously we don't need that sort of incredible level of production we're just looking for that more talent long term would they go that route they they certainly could um, I don't think they'll want to rely on that person being a starter that early. Um, but if, if you bring in a, a couple of free agents and you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, then it could work. Um, I just don't think they will. But it, it, it's that sort of third option. Um, you've got OBJ, free agent, first round pick. Um, they're the only guys that are going to be wide receiver one starting next season. Right. And I guess it everything depends on... You know, their draft strategy at least depends on what they do with Beckham because either you have your wide receiver one in him or you move on from him and suddenly you have a huge need there. So uh, my preference is obviously to keep Beckham and then you know get a, get a receiver on day two um, and then probably another one on, on day three as well. But I think they have to, they have to take advantage of both the, the cheaper free agency class and then a day two, day three. Uh, receiver in the draft because you need probably at least two quality contributors this year from from outside sources um, and and more if they decide to to churn that room even more so there are options there but they have to be careful about taking advantage of both both sides of this because you don't want to go all in on free agency and you don't want to go all in on the draft you want to have a balance there so if we jump onto wide receiver two, the only person under contract, so I'll quickly mention here, Higgins isn't under contract, so we'll touch on him in free agents. The only person under contract that could legitimately be wide receiver two is Jarvis Landry, who we've already touched on. He, he doesn't fit one of these two wide receivers in a two tight end system. Obviously, there's the other route. Stefanski could go, actually, I, I want to change the system we're playing we're, we're not going to be a two tight end team we're actually going to phase more to being a 70 percent 11 personnel i want to be more explosive that way you can fit jarvis in you probably don't keep jarvis on the 15 but you do have a route to jarvis staying because you become that three wide receiver team so i'm not saying hey jarvis has got to go but if you're playing two tight ends it doesn't he doesn't fit the team but there's nothing saying just because Stefanski's used two tight ends last season that he goes, actually, he might go, I want more weapons out there, etc. for Baker. That means we'll move to a, a three wide receiver base. 
But if we're staying with the two Titans, which I think is more likely, then Jarvis doesn't fit it. When people go, hey, what about renegotiation? What about this? What about that? He's on 15 million. You, I think you could be ambitious and get that down to 12 in a renegotiation. That still doesn't really give you what you want. That's still wide receiver one money almost. Um, in terms of sort of your second wide receiver, you want that to be about 8 million. Um, so there's no real route for him taking a 50% pay cut. So I think he is off the roster. However much upset people will be with that, I get it. Um, but winning cures all. Browns are going to be a winning team and you've got to be ruthless. We discussed a week ago when I wrote the article on what does the team look like once you pay Baker Mayfield, just Carson Wentz money. Not crazy money, Carson Wentz money. You're allowed five veteran free agents. If you're keeping a left tackle uh, or a tackle as a uh, veteran in sort of a Conklin, you can afford one wide receiver. So by all means, you can clear all the other wide receivers out the room and then you keep Jarvis Landry. But Jarvis Landry and a load of draft picks ain't going to win you a Super Bowl. Um, so Jarvis, I'm afraid, it, it's goodbye from Cleveland. Um, yeah, they could probably bodge it for one year and stick a plaster over it. There's no long-term future, so you may as well just cut it off now. That's where I am. Sorry, guys. Um, I will always tell you the hard truth. And uh, a winning team that is competing for titles and playing two tight ends doesn't fit a Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And I know it's unpopular. I know it's 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 difficult because, you know, he's he's a great guy. He's he's been part of the culture change here. And I I would like him to stay here for the rest of his career. I, I I'd love for him to retire and get a Super Bowl ring here, but from a financial and a a schematic standpoint, it's hard to see the fit for him on this team unless, like you said, they make a radical scheme change and go to three wide receiver sets the vast majority of the time. Because, I mean, he's not a bad player, right? He's he's good at what he does, which is beating zone coverage in the five, ten-yard range, right? And there is a role for that in the NFL, but it's on a team like the Bills who go five wide all the time and you have burners on the outside who can stretch the field and the defense can't stack the box and keep, you know, multiple safeties in the, in the area of the field for Landry wins. So I don't think they're going to change their entire offense just to keep him on the team. And even if you could restructure him down to even 8 million, which is significant, that's still like, $8 million for a guy who's going to play maybe 50, 60% of the snaps at the very most. And I don't think that's a very good use of, of cash, especially when you could be using that to bolster the defense, which as you know, is, is it's got a lot of holes. We'll say that. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a, a cut and dry situation where you can say, well, cut him and it, it's easy right there are going to be re repercussions and you have to account for those but I think moving on from him this offseason is the best thing for the team and I think you can find guys like him who play the slot who get open against zone I think you can find those guys fairly easily like 
Cole Beasley makes what seven and a half million a year, and he's probably better at at beating man at least than Landry is. And I think that's what you have to do to be successful because with the way that the Browns are set up right now, you you just play man and you beat them because they they can't separate. So until you fix that problem, you're not going anywhere. And we saw that against the Chiefs. So that that's priority number one this offseason that they have to fix. And Landry being on the team doesn't help you do that. Yeah, and when people talk about, well, what about leadership? Where's that coming from? The number one leader on the team is always the head coach. doesn't matter what else is going on because if that wasn't the case, the team would have been fine under Freddie Kitchens and the absolute show that was um, wouldn't have mattered because hey, you've got all these leaders below him, is the head coach. And then secondly, behind the head coach, it's always the quarterback. The quarterback is the natural leader, just the way the sport works. Um, and both of them guys are great. Kevin Stefanski is great. Then you've got Baker Mayfield that's great. And then everything under that isn't big enough to be a game-changing stuff. If, if the top two guys are broken, no one below that is going to change and make everyone feel better. Um, but once those two's there, and then the most important thing those two combine with is winning. Suddenly everyone's winning. No one really cares what's going on. You can afford, you see some of these teams, they bring awful people into the dressing room and no one cares because they're winning. Um, the Pats done it. They, the Bucks have done it this year with AB. AB looked like an absolute terror when he was with two teams that weren't good. Suddenly he goes to a team that's great and everyone's like, eh. Yeah, it's just AB. Um, and winning heals all. Um, if we look past Landry, who else can come in and fill that room? The obvious name. Um, one that fans love. Um, it's got a lot of time for fans. And it's very much a Landry or Higgins question. And Higgins, four to five million a year, two-year deal. It's just appealing. Um, the stats, if we look at them, let's throw out them first six games when he was wide receiver three. Because quite frankly, if you're wide receiver three, you're never getting a target on this offense anyway um, because you're not on the field. Um, let's throw out the COVID game because that's unfair on both Landry and uh, Higgins. And then the two wind games where not much happened. Um, we've then got seven, seven games. Let's take that and make it 16 games. What do we see? We see Landry of 94 catches, 914 yards, which is 9.7 yards per catch. And then we've got Higgins, 64 catches, 1,106 yards and 17.3 yards per catch. So you've got a guy that's twice as productive, getting not enough targets. And that's the sort of, when I say that deep to medium receiver, and it's very much because they do play different roles. Look, I understand we're comparing a guy that plays short and a guy that plays medium to deep. Um, it's not a likes for like, but it is effectively you're saying, where do I send the ball? Do I send the ball to the short guys? Do I send the ball to the medium to deep guy? If you send it to the guy that's medium to deep, he's going twice as far every time he catches it. That's a good thing. So it's very much, yeah, let, let's have Higgins because Higgins is an amazing deal. If you get him back, let's say it's that 5 million, 10 million over two years. That is really good value. And the reason why he's going to want a two-year deal, because if he plays anything like he, he thinks he will, when he's coming up to renegotiate that, he's talking about 12 million a year. It's two years into the future, TV deal's done, the cap's up. I think he, if he performs at 2,000 yard seasons, there's no reason he can't turn around and go, yep, give me 12 million or I'm hitting free agency. I love playing with Baker. I love being in Cleveland, but I've earned it. 
and um, he, he can go off and earn that money. And um, I, I think he's the obvious name to go to, just to throw two other names out there. If you, if you went for that draft pick as the wide receiver one, Corey Davis, Will Fuller, both risky options, a one-year wonder, um, are going to miss the first few games. Drug suspension, um, but had some injury concerns. Higgins, for me, is just the standout name. A ridiculous deal. Um, obviously, I had the stupid thing with Will smoking a bit of weed, but um, yeah, it, it's not the end of the world. They're, they've more or less allowed weed in the CBA anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's efficient, right? He's, for what he's going to get paid this offseason, uh, the production that he puts up on limited targets is fantastic. And that's the kind of player that you want on your team for wide receiver two, wide receiver three. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't retain him um, unless for some reason they chose Landry and they just wanted to, I don't know, shake the room up in a huge way. So I'm almost certain that he'll be back. And I think he should be back because he was their best wide receiver this year uh, from a from a production standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, from a dependability standpoint. And he he does pretty much everything that Landry does, but he adds the the dynamic of being able to win deep sometimes, win over the middle, uh, in the in the intermediate game, and not be a complete, you know, magnet in man coverage. So he's he's a very valuable member of this offense to me. And I think he's, he should be here for the next two years. And on a, on a contract that's paying him 5 million or less. I think that's a, that's a fantastic deal for this team. Yeah. I think there's, there's one other wild card of what they could do in that um, second wide receiver spot. And that, that's a draft pick. Um, they, they could go and sort of keep OBJ and go, Hey, let's spend a first as well. Um, let's spend a high pick and sort of rely on that. Number two being the draft pick. Um, I think whatever route happens, I would be shocked if, if we end day two of the draft this offseason and there's no wide receiver in those first four picks that we've currently got. Um, I, I think it'd be shocking. I, I was almost surprised last year in a historically deep wide receiver class, there was nothing taken. Um, but I get why you want to give them another shot, see what happens. Um, but this year, I, I, it seems a lock that day one, day two, a wide receiver's coming. We just don't know where it's going to fall. Um, could, could it go that high as a starter? I don't think they will. I think they'll want a veteran in each of those two spots just because we want to hit the ground running week one. So uh, I think we'll come back to where our draft pick actually happens. But the next guy we're going to touch on is the first of our two rotational guys. Um, the only one guy I, I would bet money a large amount of money being back here next season, and that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, week 13 onwards, great um, play. He's the only one sort of other than an OBJ that has got the potential land on a highlight reel for doing something that makes you go, wow. And that's not a good measure for whether a player's good or not. It's just fun. Um, and there's no harm in that. So, um, no, big, big upside. By far the best um, draft pick we made last season. There was good, lots of good draft picks. By far the best sixth round steal. Um, there was talk, hey, you never knew in camp coming in sixth rounder. There's no way they definitely make the roster. And not only did he made the roster, really learned quick um, to hit the ground running later on in the season. 
really, really good for us down the stretch, um, but can certainly play those deeper spots. So it could be the case where you bring OBJ back, doesn't have a great year, could be out first few games. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I feel comfortable if he grows again this offseason going, sod it. You're now wide receiver. One, you're running the deep route, replacing OBJ. Go out there and make hell. Or even in a year's time, going OBJ. You're good. We can get 90% production out of Donovan Peoples-Jones. We're going to trade you because this guy is going to do it for about a million a year. You're doing it at 15 and uh, we feel good moving on. So uh, really, really excited about uh, the future of uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, I mean, this was the first year probably ever that he really received good coaching, right? Because, you know, him and Nico Collins and Tariq Black at Michigan, those three guys are supposed to be all, you know, future first-round picks, and none of them developed. And, I mean, you, you bet on talent, and he didn't have any, you know, character issues. So if you, you feel comfortable with his work ethic and he's available in, in the sixth round, like, obviously much more talented than anyone else available at that point in the draft. So you, you, you take that risk, you make that bet, and it paid off for them. Um, you know, it took, it took a few games for him to be active and then actually involved in the passing game. But once he, once he did start to get opportunities, he took advantage of them. And I know he didn't get a bunch of targets, but it felt like every single one of those targets was meaningful, right? It was a first down. It was a big play late in the game. It was a touchdown. And he's going to get, continue to get better, right? He's, this is, you know, he's still really young. He's, he's still raw. So he's got, he's got a really high ceiling. And I think he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense this year. And definitely the guy at wide receiver four, who's hopefully going to be better than the majority of wide receiver fours in the league um, because of what he provides from a physical standpoint, you know, because he's got that insane explosion. Um, he's got, you know, relatively good deep speed, and we saw him win deep quite a bit this season. So he's definitely a very interesting player who's already started to show the results and the fruits of that labor that the, the team put in. And getting that for a sixth-round pick, I think, is is fantastic. Oh, so next we get on to sort of what's that other rotational wide receiver opposite uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So the first name, if we look at the roster, got Kaderil Hodge. Personally, I, even though he was good, I think it's slightly too early for where I'd love to slot Hodge in our system. So I'm going to come back to him more when we chat about wide receiver five. Um, I think that's really, really exciting to have such a deep pool of wide receivers that we're talking about Hodge as a five. Um, it wouldn't have been a couple of years ago where we've been talking about him as a one. Um, but uh, the Browns are that loaded that we, we can force him all the way down um, to number five. So um, we could go free agency. So the reason why you might go, hey, you said you wouldn't have like Landry as this sort of deeper wide receiver guy. But if you're going as, say, potentially OBJ and a first, if you go a first and Higgins, uh, depending on what route you go, you could easily have some space here where you freed up 22.5 million by moving on from the two big names. You bring back Higgins and sort of draft someone in round one. Suddenly you've got 22.5 million. Well, you don't just take it all and spend it somewhere else. You bring in a depth piece just to sort of tide you over one to two years. 
So just to throw some names out there for who could be available for peanuts this year, Kendrick Bourne, Isaiah McKenzie, David Moore, Josh Reynolds, uh, and Noah Brown. So there's some names there. In all honesty, I think this spot sets up perfectly for a draft pick, especially if they go with the more common sense sort of two veteran approach, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then your number four that by all means could race up boards by the time the, the season goes on as high as a first round pick. And you're going to think, whoa, first round pick, wide receiver four to open the season. There must be a bust. No, that's a really, really talented team. Let's just look. If you pick, take a first round pick anywhere on offense this season, they ain't starting. It ain't going to be a starting quarterback ahead of Baker. It's not going to be a starting running back ahead of Nick Chubb. It's not going to be a starting wide receiver ahead of, say, OBJ and Higgins. It's not going to be a starting tight end ahead of Hooper. It's not going to be a starting tackle ahead of um, Wills and Conklin. It's not going to be a starting interior lineman ahead of Tretter, um, Teller and Betonio. It's a long time since we said Brown's first round pick on offense wouldn't be a starter but that is how loaded this team is so um no i could see them take a first round pick and just stash that straight in at wide receiver four i think it'd be a really smart move it might be something they wait hey do it on day two but suddenly if if you've got a room there that has sort of obj no long-term commitment higgins no long-term commitment you've got donovan people's jones who's cheap you've got a first round pick potentially got four players there massive massive upside and then may the best man win whoever the best two players are over the next one two years that's what you commit to but you could have four players that are just ridiculously productive and then you're sitting there and people are going these guys have got too many good wide receivers let's phone them up obj comes back to prominence all right then we'll have a first round pick for obj and we'll move forward with Higgins, 1,000-yard season. Donovan Peoples-Jones putting in 800 yards. First-round pick as a 700-yard rookie season. That's, that's not a bad place to be. Well, and I, I think for that fourth wide receiver, it's going to depend a lot on what kind of skill set they want there. And for me, that would be kind of like the gadget type. And there are a lot of those kinds of guys in this draft class that I think could make huge impacts as a rookie. I think Kadarius Tony would be the guy in the first round if you were to make that move. Um, and a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, you mentioned, I think he could definitely play that role for this team. And I, I think that'd be a huge impact because they tried to use Jojo Natson in that role early in the season, just to add some kind of speed to the offense. And you know, when you're when you're resorting to that to try and add add that kind of dynamic, you definitely need to invest some capital there. So once they do that and they get they get that jet sweep going, they get that that screen game going, and you know they start getting that guy out in space and defenses have to account for that, then you know the running game becomes a lot easier to get going and you've got defenses playing too high now instead of cover one. You've got them playing off off coverage, and that just makes everything better. So the wide receiver four position for me is a gadget guy, and I think after the deep threat, I think you, I think you need a, both a, an outside vertical threat this offseason, and I think you need a gadget player. And I think they can get both of, that, both of those guys in the draft, but if they wanted to go after a McKenzie in free agency, I'd be all for that. Yeah, and so 
we jump onto wide receiver five, wide receiver six. These guys, more predominantly special teams. Um, one's very much sort of a stashy youngster with some upside. Donovan Peoples-Jones, perfect example last year. We're not expecting anything sort of week one, two, three, even for the first season. It doesn't matter if they don't do much. We're looking more to develop this guy that can be something in the future. And then the other one, hey, we just want special teams production. Basically, any skill position on the roster, um, we just want the last guy to be a special teamer. And um, sort of looking at some names here, you could bring Hodge in as that guy. Um, Hodge is a restricted free agent, so we'd have to pay him $2.24 million to keep him um, on his tender. I don't think that's probably a route they'd go. I think they'd look to try to get a cheaper deal. I'd love to do something like, hey, $3 million over two, um, even if it's three and a half over two. Sign that up. It gives us another weapon in there. If he's your wide receiver five, that's a, that's a good room. Um, it gives you a lot of options. There's a lot of upside and as well, special teamer um, that can do stuff. Frees up the sixth spot to do something crazy. Um, you've got Jamarcus Bradley, who obviously um, had his opportunity in the Jets game. Um, who knows what he's going to be there. Browns could bring back Jojo Natson. Um, is that sort of sixth guy that, yeah, who knows what he's going to do, but it's a million, even if it's just for camp, gives them an option. And, and the other one is that day three pick, day P, day three pick UDFA, bring someone in and let, let's see what they do in camp because crazy things can happen. Um, they might see something and go, hey, let's stash this guy, um, sixth wide receiver, give him to Mike Prefer to do some work with him there. But uh, let's look at the upside. So um, there's an intriguing mix they could go with there. I would love to see Hodge back just because I do love a bit of special team. Just to give that extra 1%. Um, if they turn the tide in a close game, then that's the value. There, There's no wide receiver. Uh, special teams don't really make the difference. Um, but it's one where if you're getting down to really fine margins, it can help you out with a few yards. Yeah, I, I like Hodge too. And I think he's there's probably a good argument to be made that he has the best hands on the team. And, you know, like, like people's Jones, he didn't get a ton of targets, but he made them count. And I think for a guy who was brought here because of his special teams prowess, I think that's, that's an excellent job by the development staff to, to get some offensive production out of him. And, you know, he's, he's got a decent amount of speed. He's not slow. He's not, you know, he's got the ability to win deep. He's got the ability to win in the intermediate level. And he can beat man coverage at a decent rate, too. So he's got everything you, you want in a, in a depth guy. And the special teams ability for him is, is just an added bonus there. So I'm definitely all, all on board with, with keeping him around. And as far as wide receiver six, I think probably going the UDFA route is what interests me the most because you can just keep churning that guy you know in and out every year bringing in a new guy if 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 the one you got before didn't impress you or keeping around moving up the depth chart in a few years if he does uh, work out so I think that's a good that's a good spot to keep continually adding and swapping out young talent at a very cheap price. Yeah, no, um, the old guardrails from Deep Odessa do say churn that bottom of the roster. And uh, yeah, just keep searching for the gems because they are out there. There's so many sort of undrafted free agents that go on to good careers. And it might not be the first stop that they make it. Um, Hodge bounced around a few times and then sort of finally shown some uh, 
offensive prowess um, in Cleveland. So just to touch on some other names that are potentially on the roster that we didn't get to, Alexander Hollins, Derek Willies, Ryan Switzer. Um, yeah, I, I, I Switzer, he's been great for me on Madden in past years, but uh, I, th- I think that's where his Browns production uh, is limited to uh, my old Madden saves. Um, so I'm going to answer this first, and then I'm going to come to you, uh, Sam. So we've gone through loads of different options, loads of different directions this um, room can go. And if you go over to the dogland.com, you've got my article and you can read that because that'll be out by the time you're all listening to this. Um, I come up with sort of seven main routes you can go. Um, and if you'd have asked me when I wrote this article, I would have said my natural, it was between E and G. So E is the day one pick Higgins, Donovan Peoples, Jones, cheaper free agent and Hodge, um, or it was going G of that big free agent Higgins, Donovan Peoples, Jones, day two pick and Hodge. But now as we stand and after reading your piece, doing some more looking at OBJ and really sort of asking what I want. I'm now the mindset. It's, it's OBJ. It's Higgins. It's Donovan Peoples, Jones. It's a day two pick, possibly a first rounder if we're feeling bold and then Kadaryl Hodge, and then, yeah, whatever happens with your sixth wide receiver, um, don't care. Um, that's where I stand for the six I want coming back and how I'd structure the room. I think it gives you maximum upside and as well as maximum choices as all five of them guys I feel really good about. And who knows, may the best man win um, because in two years' time, you, in a year's time, you could go, hey, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you're the next OBJ. 90% of his production has flip OBJ. Higgins, actually, this pick and Hodge are playing better. We, we can trade you off in a year's time or let you go after two years. And you're there just constantly forcing talent up the roster. So five guys, big upside. It's a, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, I, uh, I think my preference would be keeping Beckham. Resign Higgins. I would take receiver on day two and I'd add another receiver on day three. Differing skill sets with those guys. So I'd, I'd want vertical threat first and then gadget. And I'd keep Higgins and I'd, I'd bring in a bunch of guys who weren't drafted and, and let them play it out for who gets that last spot. So I think, I think that gives you a good mix of skill sets. I think it gives you a versatile position group. I think it gives you the kind of ability that you need on the outside to make this offense work. And I think it, it gets rid of that redundancy issue because you have each guy offering something different and they're offering more importantly, what you need to make this scheme work. You need that outside threat. You need the, the defense to, to feel scared of getting beaten down the field so that they leave open the box, leave open that 15, 10 yards from the line of scrimmage where you can have the tight ends work, we can have hunt work. And I think that's what the Browns have to do in order to take the step from very good offense to elite offense that that's rivaling uh, anyone not named the Chiefs. So that's the goal for me. And I think it's, it's attainable this off season. I don't think it's going to cost too much in terms of capital. Uh, it's just crazy that we're basically talking about the backups in the team for the 2021 season they'd effectively all start for the team three years ago and and that's crazy you, you expect the turnaround of the 
the first team to obviously be better than we were three years ago. But the fact that near enough across the entire roster, every backup would start three years ago um, outside of probably left tackle. Um, it's, it's crazy that there's, there's that sort of production leap forward that um, it, it's an exciting team to watch. So no, thank you very much for joining the show. Um, it's been great to have you on. And, and finally, um, meet you face to face almost through a computer screen. Whereas um, if uh, the last, what well, I'd say 18 months, it's been just tweeting at each other and having really, really good discussion. So just again, plug your work and make sure you go and follow Sam. You, you will learn so much. Um, it's certainly a valuable follow on Twitter. Again, at Sam underscore Penix on Twitter, you can find my work at Cavs Nation, Clutch Points with the first pick and over at Dog Pound Daily. Thanks again for having me on. Had a blast. Now, Rose, come back next show. We're doing shows every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Check out the writing at thedogland.com. That's where all the articles going in, all of these shows. So we'll be back next to the tight ends um, on Monday. So, no, have a great weekend. Thank you for coming on, Sam. I'm sure the lads will be back there um, then as well. So, uh, no, go Browns. Go Browns.